With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Boyd Hilton is away in Barcelona, so psychic Josh is stepping up to host a podcast. I'm joined by Gareth Park, who's back for his second podcast of the season. How are you, Gareth? Yeah, um, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fresh from, although fresh probably isn't the word. I feel uh, slightly weather beaten after the glorious weather day, but yeah, I'm, I've just seen Arsenal win a trophy. Um, I, in the street football. Yeah, so we hosted our, uh, Street Football Association hosted our uh, first uh, street football festival, Southern version, uh, and yeah. The women's tournament was run by Tottenham and the men's by Arsenal. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good day uh, and it's always pleasing, although obviously I'm not biased at all in, in, in my role of heading it all up. But it was, it was nice to see Arsenal. So that, is there a northern competition to the women's yes. play? Is it a bit like, what was that competition that used to be, the northern and the southern? Or is that the competition that's tonight, effectively? The Checker Trade Trophy is southern and northern, isn't it? That is a trophy that we boycotted sending our under-23 team to. You've got like some Premier League teams. Gareth, you'll follow this, definitely. Some of the under-23 teams have, have played in it. Um, I'm going just to nod and smile. <laughs> okay. No, we're not in it. We're not, I know we're not in it. We've, we we're decided not to go in it because of our commitments uh, elsewhere with our youth teams. Anyway, we'll move on. Yeah. Uh, Tim Payton is also here, back from Brazil. Which 14 we'll talk gold about. medals, no less. 14 gold medals. So live. Team GB gold Oh, you medals. saw 14 of them live? Yeah. That's the best effect. thing was you didn't go on about it. At not no much. Point, at, no, at no point. <laughs> Never let anyone all, know no. at all. It was great. I like winning things. I realised I like watching my teams win things. Um, so it's great to have Tim back. <laughs> but um, we're really pleased to be joined by someone I've known for quite a number of years now. The, uh, the agent, John Smith, is here. Um, and I can also say you've been in Brazil as well, I know. Yes. And I'm a podcast virgin. This is your debut on, debut on the footballist. You must have been on some podcast. I mean, you do Sky News papers. You must have done yeah, yeah, yeah. various yeah, uh, done podcasts. This one. Not this right, podcast. You now. And you've got a couple of tarps me off to the go floor with. because I just found out that Spurs actually won something. Spurs have won something <laughs> today. Um, <laughs> but not too much. I, and just to, I know briefly because you're involved in taekwondo. Yes. That was your Olympic uh, I'm, journey. Um, for my sins as well as um, 
uh, John Smith, football agent. Uh, I'm also the chair of British Taekwondo. So oh, we wow. Did. I was we there. Did. I was Were there. there? Jones won. That was ah, one of my Amazing. She was, that was brilliant. She's she so was, she's a sensational. <laughs> you wouldn't have still heard me, would you? No, no, no. no. She's no, sensational. She's but I have to say, my moment, of course, Jade and Bianca and Chow, but my moment was Latela Mohammed. A tenth, he lost the goal by a tenth of yeah. a second. A tenth of a I, second. I was, I was watching that not from uh, ringside or co- what? what, what that side. On yeah, that side. I was watching it on TV, yeah. Um, and I'm not entirely sure it's a, a spectator sport. Uh, I, or if it is, you need to know a lot about it. You do. And that's um, one of the things that they're going to have to take a look at. Yeah, but well, you, you could can. when you were there. Um, it's exciting, though. It's, the commentary uh, did a good job, I think. Yeah, They're no, trying I, to I explain think, everything. I mean, we're now talking about the BBC's the coverage. No, I two days to go with the transfer window, and we're yeah, here talking about Taekwondo. Taekwondo. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm pro-boarding. Um, Definitely pro-boarding. What I will say, though, is he, he Latula, he showed amazing... Um, Personality afterwards in the way he was so the gracious. Guy, the guy is in, incredible. I mean, I, I, we we saw him afterwards after the drug testing and everything else. He's destroyed. He's saying this is the worst day of my life, and he's got a silver medal around his neck. It just shows you what it means. Yeah, I wouldn't have uh, mind a few silver medal, Olympic medals around my head. Gareth, you ever had? What was the last medal you won, Gareth? Um, the last medal I won, um, I have possibly a golfing one, which makes me sound very football right now. But the um, <laughs> no, I was actually going to say it's the Olympics has had that had me trawling through. What could I learn in four years? Yeah, everyone all, has all this all Yeah, I know. So that's a, like, a, I mean, I've seen... Yeah, I've that's seen a really good comment yeah. for you. That, that, that luge thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty aerodynamic already. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. Right, we look forward to seeing you in the... Uh, what, you, uh, two years to the Winter Olympics. I can say, yeah, in Lycra. That's what you're looking forward to seeing me in anyway, yeah. Anyway, despite the fact we've now got to uh, about five minutes in without, <laughs> without managing to talk about Arsenal, it's probably about time we did it. And in particular, um, two days to go with the transfer window, but I suspect him that most of our business is, is done in terms of incoming. Um, two signings. And for weeks on your Twitter timeline, because you somehow have become almost a... Uh, someone that fans want to vent their anger at or you can vent with. They think I can sort it out. <laughs> yes, although you did get um, accosted by various members of the Arsenal hierarchy in, in over the years about your interaction with fans, so it's good that you're seen in that way. But just tell us, are you happy Arsenal filled the two main holes we needed, surely? Centre-back and strikers, what the, two, the fans were crying out for? I, I think, I'd give it a kind of 7 out of 10 at the moment. Clearly, a couple of the initial targets that were there early didn't come through. So they had to go back to the drawing board, and they also had the, the injury to Per Mertesecker. I think with a few days to go, they've done, yeah, give it a 7 out of 10. It's, it's always exciting when you've got players coming in and you don't really know much about them or who they are, getting to see them play, working out whether they can deliver or not. The big issue is going to be whether or not the guy that's coming can, can score the goals or even if he's a, a pick in the first 11. But like, they've, done, they've done a solid job given the window. There's a couple of big decisions to be made now on who goes out on loan. Absolutely. I want to come to the intricacies of, of the transfer window in due course, obviously, with John Hibbert Gareth first. In terms of, we, we went to the Leicester game together, yeah. what, 10 days ago when Arsenal drew 0 0, and there was a, I would estimate, 30% of the away crowd booing at the end or showing I'd have, some I'd sort have of. Said, I'd have said more than 30%. Really? Okay. I, I have, since, since we went then, described the atmosphere as a little bit toxic. Um, and I did, it did feel, um, I've never heard a louder rendition of we want Wenger out um, at any game, home or away. Agreed. Especially away. So it did, it did actually feel like a bit of a watershed moment. However, and it's interesting, Tim sort of 
as is, 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 is the common want to, to rate or to, to mark something? Because it is that people can, it's a success or failure. Transfers are not successes when they're made. They're made, obviously, over the next yeah. months and years. So, as you rightly say, it'll be fascinating. It is fascinating. It's exciting to see someone, I think, who could be a fantastic, could have the potential to become a fantastic squad member. And weirdly, saying £17 million isn't a massive risk. But in this current window in particular, it's not a particularly high salary for, oh, sorry, um, cost for, a, for an incoming striker. So, yeah, I think it's, it's good. It's turned it around in lots of people's minds in terms of that there was lots of spend some effing money chance as well at Leicester um, as there was um, during the, the Liverpool game. So I think he has spent some effing money. He spent quite a lot of it. So um, uh, now, and, and, now we'll see how they bed in. Yeah, and clear, clearly not a response to those crowds. You know, th- no. These two transfers presumably have been going on for some time. So... John, John's book, which we'll come on to, is called The Deal, so let's talk about these kind of deals. One of the things I wanted to ask you, John, a lot of people in the press have been talking about how English clubs are being overcharged or huge sums of money are being quoted because clubs are English at the moment, because they have this, this income. Is that right? And therefore, actually, the £70 million that Gareth talks about is actually not a, a huge sum of money in a way. It's not the biggest risk that we'll be taking this summer. I think Gareth's right. I think what, what has happened is there is a vast influx of cash so now the player that was three to five million is 12 million the player that was 10 to 12 million is now 25 million and the player that was 30 is probably 50 plus now so um, given that is now the benchmark I think the situation is is going to be really interesting tomorrow because um, I think there'll be a last minute flurry because people just don't Quite, there's, everyone, each club, the process is that each club targets, and they target sometimes a year out, sometimes six months out, sometimes three months, down to the last few weeks. Uh, obviously, in the summer, it's a bit easier because you've got pre-season and then you've got the start of the season and you begin to see how your squad's shaping up. And so you get to this point, and you can know the chairman that are sitting there at six o'clock in the morning on the last day or, or two days before, because any of the slightly bigger ones always take more than a few hours for obvious reasons, logistics as much as anything else. But, you know, you've, you've got them sitting there going, well, if he moves, then I can put that in there. We've tested him and that could work over here. And so you'll, you'll, you'll have 20 Premier League clubs, you'll have 12 sitting there tomorrow looking at things that can potentially fill holes that may move because, not necessarily first team even, just... Squad players. So that, that's kind of how the system's working at the moment. And, but the big money has been resistant. I mean, look at West Ham. Eight players, most of them four, five million. By the way, I thought we missed out on Zaza. I thought that was a... You thought he was a, a good, I a thought good option? Was, that was a potential option that I thought we could have had. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an Arsenal... I'm not an Arsene knocker. I'm an, Arsenal, an Arsene supporter, and we'll talk about that later. But that was one that we possibly could have had. Well, it seems, Tim, that um, certainly in, in terms of Mustafi, that was one that's been going on for weeks and weeks. And in Rob Holding, it's interesting. We obviously signed a player for a, a couple of million, and maybe if he was foreign and coming from an equally foreign club, it would have been the, the 10 million. And, and Wenger said as much, didn't he, in the press conference? He goes, you're, you're not taking this seriously because it didn't cost 10, 15, 50 million. And the fact that it looks like Callum Chambers will go out on loan who's a year older than Rob Holding, and Holding's come in for barely you know, any money out of League One football, um, probably speaks volumes of that. But in terms of... the Bolton financial situation as well. Yeah, and, although and you'd that, think... And that particular contractual length he had left, but yeah. But the, we, we spoke about how you know, players might go, go out in terms of tomorrow. 
you know, Chambers and, and then we'll come on to Wilshire. It seems odd to me that, that we, with Wilshire, would be considering this at the moment. He, he's a player who even came on at the weekend in our victory at, at Watford. And I was looking through his stats. Wilshire in 2010-2011 played 49 games for Arsenal. So this is a long time ago. He was seen as a regular in our team. He has more England caps than Ian Wright at the age, you know, at his current age. And it seems remarkable to be he's going to go out on loan. But do you it see it as a good opportunity? You do the loans right at the end of the window, partly because you then realise what you've done with the rest of the squad and you know where you can and can't do loans. So it makes sense that they, they come in last in terms of setting them out. Coming back to what you were just asking, John, I think this is really important to see. And where I am very critical of Arsenal's transfer more policy more over the last four or five windows was this player inflation is not a surprise because it's a straight inverse relationship to the amount of money coming into the clubs and I did some research and posted some information a few weeks ago which showed when Arsenal signed Sylvain Wiltord for 14 million that was as a percentage of our turnover that would have Arsenal spending 80 million pounds on a striker now so when people say it's crazy to have gone after a player at 80 million, you know, may, maybe have gone back um, to Italy and signed um, there or whatever. It's not actually crazy, and we're not spending the fees. And I think where Arsenal really dropped the brick over the last couple of years was when they had lots of cash in the previous three or four windows, not using it then. Because even Arsene Wenger now says, well, we knew player values were going to go up a lot because of the new TV money. So the 70 million they had sitting in the bank last transfer window unused was kind of like worth 120 million in in terms of values this year, but has depreciated because of um, the overall value. And it was interesting that in their... In the, well, I say the defence, but in, in David Ornstein, the kind of voice of Arsenal through an independent journalist, is quoting the AST figure, because we an- analysed the figures and said it was just under £100 million that Arsenal have to spend this window, yep. and that's what they've got to, and that's what's being quoted back, as well, we spent the money that we had, and yes, you did, but it was worth a lot more than it was last window. Yeah, and I take the point, I think I saw someone making the analogy you did on Man United with Rio Ferdinand's yeah. signature actually being a bigger percentage of, of United's turnover when he signed than Pogba arriving now. But, Gareth, you look like you wanted to jump yeah, no, in. Yeah, no, no. Well, I was going to actually make a very, very similar point to that alongside... Because um, I do think it's interesting, the whole percentage thing, because there is inflation everywhere. I mean, we were talking about this before we came on air about football's changing, the landscape's changing, um, commercialisation, etc. What I'm fascinated by is, I think, is... Um, Arsenal in particular, his fear of his... I think his legacy is tainted, but I think even beyond... He, he can see beyond his leaving. He doesn't want to leave these millstones. I have read, and it's kind of... I also have this opinion. I've read several things about how the Premier League's almost painted themselves into a corner when it comes to player salaries, because also, similarly, no-one's paying as well as clubs are here. You can't so, move them on. So, if yeah, if you make a mistake, and we are talking about loans earlier on, you can't move them on for a transfer fee. And, I mean, can you remember the... I've had to say the lad, which makes me sound um, middle-aged, which I'm definitely not, but the... Uh, you can reach the, the Man City striker. They're still paying him. They're still paying his salary four or five years since he last played for them. And Bale. No, because um, he was Eastern there. European, and this is now making me feel like an octogenarian. I can't remember names, but um, he, he was brought in a hefty transfer fee paid salary of probably. 80,000 and other clubs in the world just can't pay that. So either you go to another Premier League club or 
Debuti, another good example, our place at the moment. So the patent office in corner cannot move them on. I mean, again, it would be interesting to hear the agent's view on this because you want to get your clients the best deal. At the same time, the clubs must be aware. And we went through a period of paying a lot to pretty mediocre players, Danielson, mm. etc. And we were paying them when they weren't at Arsenal. When we moved them, we were still paying yeah. their wages. But and then we did the unprecedented thing with Park of writing them off in the books. First time in Arsenal's history that we ever went to the tax man and wrote off the value of a player because he was seen as so bad, we couldn't even place him <laughs> somewhere else to play. Well, it's actually reasonably endemic, though. And I'm going to show my age now because I can't remember the guy who I'm talking about, but I'm in my 60s, so I've, I've got an excuse. Everton have signed somebody, uh, fullback. This is 33 years of age. Begins with a W. Anyway, I'll think. Williams, yeah, Williams. 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 Yeah, yeah. Thirty-three years of age, twelve million pounds. Yep. And he's on seventy grand a week. I mean, hello. So it's it's fairly endemic. Let me let me backtrack. Um, the Arsenal system has evolved over the last few years. Um, uh, Arsenal came in, I, I thought, with a remarkable scouting system, which worked for us for years. Um, as that in any situation will um, become less effective as people begin to know where you're looking and where you're picking from and how you're picking. Arsenal grew another system, which was largely led by its United States influence. Um, some people call it Moneyball. It, it, it is a numeric-based system. It's not, the, it's not the final arbiter. The final arbiter remains Arsene Wenger and his advisors or his, his coaching advisors. But some uh, short while ago, Arsenal bought a company called Stat DNA. Um, based in Chicago, who have, uh, and I call it a warehouse, Arsenal don't like that name, but it is, a, it is a warehouse full of stats of every man, boy and child and woman who plays football. Um, and and that, that does elongate the system. I mean, Arsenal, I guess, will say with Mustafi, we, you know, we only paid 35 as opposed to the 43, which was the get-out clause. Had they moved six weeks ago, it probably would have been 30. So it is an inherent system that, that tends to be a bit lugubrious. But the game has moved in... I mean, I'm, not, I'm talking Arsenal because we're talking Arsenal, but for Arsenal, read most Premier League and foreign senior clubs. That system plays a big part now. So that's sometimes why it may explain marginally, Tim, why, why things sl- are a bit slow and a bit lugubrious in some of their dealings. Um, John, you were part of the, the group at, right at the back of the beginning of the Premier League and establishment and, and part of the team, I guess, that must be responsible for, for its huge growth and, and success. But do you see the direction of it stopping in terms of this TV money getting ever-increasingly larger? Yeah, I, think what's gonna when... happen, uh, I think what's going to happen, Josh, is I think Sky, next time around, may well not be afford to play. If the platforms want it, if Amazon want it, it's theirs. Right, and then the money goes up again, and then we're all watching football in a completely different environment. We are watching football on, and we've got devices around this table. We're watching football on devices. The TV in your room becomes an ancillary to the device. But then, okay, so then in, in terms of, sort of t- the TV money keeps going up, we see already when Deloitte do their money leagues that the 20 Premier League clubs are always in the top 30 in the world. You just see that direction continuing, and therefore salaries and. English clubs spending just... It's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? because it's not just football. I mean, we talked about this marginally downstairs. Life yeah. has moved on. You know, yeah. Today, I mean, I, I talk about in my book, we sold the company in around about 15 million and in, you know, it seemed a lot of money at the time. Now you read any business page in a, in, a, in a newspaper and it's billions. And if it's not billions, no one's interested. So football has sort of risen to that level. Now, where does it stop? Does it stop? Does it keep going? Yeah, there'll be a moment in time where it will redress itself because natural circumstances evolve and the fans will eventually go, you know what, 
just not paying for that. I'm just not doing that. And then it changes again. So at the moment we are where we are, I think there's at least another major cataclysmic change in the football chain, which is potentially when the tech companies get involved in the front line. Okay, so something to, I guess to look out for for a couple of years' time. The next TV. I wonder if that's cataclysmically good or bad. I just it, it's, it will be well, a, will be a change. And well, there, it, was, it was Stefan Jovetic was who I was. Really <laughs> <going> <laughs> uh, God bless those devices that we all have yeah. around the table. Um, Gareth, just quickly, I want to come back to the point about Jack Wilshere. Um, for you, your take as a as a fan, do you want to see him go out on loan? I, I find it a slightly strange one. I was a bit surprised it, when it, I saw it, it yesterday. It's an odd one because. Um, I'm no, no longer a, a young boy that, whose heroes are footballers. I'm a, a grown man whose heroes, heroes are footballers. Football. But no, I don't have that same desire to, to want. And obviously, having worked in and around football for a long time now, I have become slightly jaded, maybe, by that. And Jack is actually someone who I've worked with who I, who I don't particularly like. So it's an odd thing to ask me because there are... I rate him as a footballer. He has regressed. I think you talked about 2010, 2011... Injury has obviously played a huge part in that. Um, and every time I've seen him, there's been flashes, as in when he's played, flashes, but there's not a consistency, partly down to the lack of games he's been able to put back-to-back. And also, he's no longer a starter for us. Clearly, he's no longer a starter for us. In fact, you would argue, I mean, um, reading Arsenal the other day and chatting to Andy about it a while ago, it's, we're excited about the options we had. We were like, there's so many options in midfield now. We actually do have a plethora of options. Now... I don't think, and it's all about combinations, we spoke about it last time, so centre-back combinations, striker combinations, midfield combinations, some work, some don't work, the Flamini-Ramsey axis was just horrific, but actually Jack hasn't, certainly in recent years, knitted with anyone, and then we saw on Saturday um, that Xhaka and Cazorla knitted beautifully, Mm. now again, opposition to be taken into consideration. But that's what it was about. When we were flying last year, it's because Coquelin and Cazorla knitted well together and that. I don't see Jack coming into the team. Therefore, you don't want him to go to a rival. It's interesting to see the clubs he's been linked with because you would have thought, go, go back to that Barcelona game where he had a fantastic game and he was being heralded uh, as, as the centre of Arsenal's midfields for years and years to come. And if you think then that that player would be linked with Bournemouth and Palace... It's kind of, I think it, that, that speaks volumes about where he's at in, in terms of... that game time, yeah. isn't it? Well, well if... Guaranteed, if absolutely guaranteed game time, but you're right that it might not come... Well, yeah. well West Ham turned him uh, down. Uh, bigger couple. So, I really hope, and I'd like to ask John about this and the advice he'll take around him. To me, if Jack is wise, he'll go overseas. That's exactly right. Because, exactly right. But I think English players don't go overseas enough because yep. they'll learn from the culture change. Completely they'll learn correct. from playing in a different type of football. And I think when we hit the big Joe international Hart, Joe, tournament... Joe Hart wanted well, to go, across, that's wanted good. To go that, overseas that, to that improve good. his game. Surely when you come to the international tournaments every two years, you get a more rounded, correct. more exactly. player that can think it's on good for it. It's good for our game because the game is different. But will he, typical English lad, will he pick on where his latest girlfriend lives, staying near his mate? Or what was it, the famous Ian Rush quote, what's it like in Italy? Oh, they talk a foreign language. Uh, It's like like a foreign country. (laughs) It's like a foreign country. What role would you or the people around him have? I mean, I'd love him him to go to somewhere like UB. I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think it's going to happen. But I'd like him to go to somewhere in Italy where the game's a touch slower, he yeah. can, he can u- use his, his, his close ball control, which is very good, and he can grow 
another part of his game. He could be of use to the England team. So I, I love the idea when players go abroad, and I love it when they work. And inevitably over the years, they haven't. But more recently, they've started to. So I, I think that's absolutely where he should go, hopefully play Champions League football. Mm. Yeah, in terms of, of Jack, is some of his best football has actually probably been for England in the, in the last couple of years. It's been outstanding yeah. performances, and you know, he's been... You know, I, I well, you're being generous there, I think. I mean, you could see Roy Hodgson was desperate for it to come together, but he just didn't have the match fitness sort of form, did he? No, I, I think going I back think had to he the done, had he played, I think he. He was very. He was very good. He yeah. had some very good guys. I, I do agree with you, Josh. I think that I've been reminded of his quality when seeing him play for England rather than seeing him play for Arsenal. I think not. Yeah, taking the the most recent tournament out of it because he was he he was um, nowhere near match fit. But I was actually going to say that it's, it's that, talking about what advice would he take, and that's where I go back, and it's a weird thing to actually say, I haven't found Jack Welsh a particularly enjoyable character to work with, or a particularly progressive thinker. And I think, therefore, he's unlikely to go for that move aboard, which I do agree would, would enrich his game, that I do agree would help his performances and his, the likelihood of him coming back and um, improved player and becoming a more... Do you think he's likely to change now? I mean, he's at, that, he's, he's at a watershed in his career now. He's 24. That's right? why so, hopefully a move I mean, like this might exactly, actually be the mating. I mean, here, it's, but... uh, if what you say is correct and you obviously have more connection with him than I do... <laughs> Not the heart would sink, but the thing that would disappoint me about I think is most likely is the mid-level London Premier League club. Because it's yeah. staying near your mates, it's staying yeah. at home, it's, it's still easy, playing yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. It's kind of easy and it gives him everything he wants. That's exactly why he should his attitude, If his attitude isn't that right, then it would be great to see him go abroad. And, and hopefully use that opportunity to say, this is, this is my opportunity now. Yeah, and you know, Tim, you mentioned that David Ornstein is the... Uh, authoritative figure who's <laughs> in the game from the club he, he was the one suggesting it would be a one year loan deal you know strictly the whole season with no recall options well so. the rules have changed anyway now I'm not quite sure what happens when you loan overseas but if you loan in the Premier League now you can't have a recall option although you can revisit things in a transfer window because in effect you would update a transfer but with that being said given our midfielders Occasionally getting injured, <laughs> to put it lightly. No, look, at, I, I don't. I think you think the benefit. The, the benefit of Jack playing week in, week out, finding out whether he can still do that, getting the match fitness, yeah. and getting him back to the level of player, far outweighs that. Oh, we might be able to call him back. And the other thing is, no half decent club would take him for four months. I'm, so if you want him to go to a decent club and reach a decent level, you've got to let him go for a year. I'm trying to think if there are great examples of Arsenal sending out players on loan to come back because we'd probably think about Wilshire, ironically going to Bolton and that being the making of him at the beginning of his career and I'm trying to think of any other sort of players that have had significant contributions Ashley to our Cole team at Crystal Palace maybe That's a long time That's ago, a long, long Ramsey, time ago. Ramsey had a, when Ramsey came back from his injury he had a, 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 a brief spell out on loan which was almost entirely for match fitness because he wasn't going to be up to the level um, and um, w- w- was put and it was quite questionable I'm, I've never been Aaron Ramsey's biggest fan but I definitely think it, de- it helped in his um, sort of reintroduction to a but, game which he might be but scared. talking of players that have gone out on loan so much Joel Campbell is an example of one that has gone out on loan and yet again he has gone on, on loan but that's purely because we can't sell him because of his salary surely and, but yeah, so, <laughs> so just while we're clearing up rounding up what else is going on with the club before we get on to hearing a little bit more about John's book Serge Gnabry is the other one who is today the rumours are very strongly that he'll not only he has, leave the club he but he'll, he'll sign for well, Bayern Munich he won't 
uh, no, it's now is now moved on to Bremen, I think, directly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought we were um, signing for Bayern Munich. But the, 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 the point here, and I'm sure this will come back and somewhat John will talk about, Arsenal have no choice with him because there's a year left on the contract and the player wants to go and they'll recover a bit of a fee. Yeah. And actually, if I come back to my 7 out of 10 for Arsenal's transfer window and this doesn't quite fit and maybe move it to 6.5 or 6 out of 10, the ticking time bomb Arsenal have got from this transfer window is you've still got the two star players from Saturday less than two years to go Ozil and Sanchez ticking down heading towards I'm told that this means they're now going into danger Bosman territory Correct. because they're now getting to the yep. point where the, the power is shifting to them dramatically Absolutely. and if they do stay this year but don't sign you lose them or you're in big danger of losing them at a well, low level in the next and transfer and window and by the following January it's all there. Well, it's all got. It's all exactly. Gone. It's all so gone. that will be exercising the club hugely because that. I mean, the win against Watford was down to those two. Absolutely. Yeah. We haven't talked too much about the game, and I do feel that you know that isn't always you know what we need to do on the podcast. Only to analyse. You know, other people. It's already um, several days after the game, but we should just briefly cover. Our first win of the season. Did, were you there, Gareth? Did you go? No, I watched it. In, I watched it in um, Lisbon, um, which at the point when it was beautiful weather outside, and I'm watching it on my laptop um, in a cafe, did feel slightly, almost seedy. Like I felt like I was being judged and sort of tilting my laptop screen away. So, what on earth is he doing in here? But um, I did watch it, and I was. I think those who were impressive, I actually, again, and we said this at Leicester when we went together, we we spent quite a lot of time talking about how impressive Jacker was. And I do think Mm. he's, I think, okay, we're not rating now because it's early in his his career. He looks like the complete player. I absolutely agree with bought When they bought him, I said that could be one of the buys of the trading window. And I I think then, uh, again, uh, the salary was, uh, the salary, the the, the price was questioned, but he was phenomenal. I thought he was very good. I thought Holding was very good. And again, it's good that someone who is clearly going to be a fullback option is getting a bit of game time, a bit more confidence, but rebuilding his confidence after the Liverpool debacle. And and all of a sudden, when the game finished with one, some performance had had been sort of reminding, I thought Alexis looked sharp and he had done for, for quite a time. Then it's like the options thing. Like, actually, look at the rest of the squad. Look at who we've got to come in. Look at it. It's quite exciting again. And I thought, damn it, there's hope again. So, just <laughs> in, in summary, given, given what players we've got now, and we're assuming we're not having anything more in, what what is your expectation? Like, I'd be interested, all of us. What does it change? Anything? Are we are we now title contenders? I know we're five points we behind. Have a, we have but... a squad that can win the title. Right. You need your luck with injuries and a really good run. Have we My got feeling is the two Manchester clubs. They've both got managers who do not allow lazy performances. Who are going to squeeze twelve to fifteen points out more than last season? I suspect we're we're, we're heading for. If we do well, we'll come third, third or fourth. What do you think, John? I wouldn't disagree with what you, what you just said, actually. I think, I think uh, and, and I'd marginally argue that Chelsea actually are looking a bit stronger. It's very early days yet, but, you know, it's, it'll be tough. Uh, yes, I think we will be in the top four again, because I don't think Spurs are quite up to it yet, um, nor are Liverpool, although they're, they're actually threatening a little bit here and there. They're looking a bit positive occasionally. Uh, yeah, they can't afford to slip much. No, the, that's, that, that's absolutely right. In yeah, the Premier League, that's right. isn't it? It means yeah. that they're fourth I mean, harder uh, than ever in some uh, ways. The key statement you've, uh, you've just made is that those two Manchester clubs are actually on it. And they, had they got up to a stumbled start, it would have changed things again because you're chasing it. But we are chasing a five-point deficit already. already so, yeah. you know, we need to be on it. All right, well, look, John, I want to talk a little bit more about the book, which is out next in about a week. Is that right? Is that uh, 8th September of September. 8th. So uh, in, in nine days' time. Um, but you, you've, tell, tell us a little bit about it. You became an agent, you know... 
quite a few years ago now, I think, by your own admission. But like, in, in terms of, you know, we want to hear, you know, we're Arsenal fans, we're going to be listening to this. I want to hear much about the Arsenal focus. But just going back to the beginning of what made you want to be- become an agent in the first place. Funnily enough, and, and you helped me, dis- actually, you helped me disprove this. My right. reason for becoming an agent was that I was an Arsenal fan since 1950 plonk. And I was, I used to watch way back with Jack Kelsey, Dave Bacuzzi, uh, all those guys, through Ian Ewer. And, and one of my heroes, because I used to play right wing for my school and my club, was Alan Skirton. And Skirton, for me, was what I wanted to be when I grew up. And then he stopped playing, because he got too old or whatever happened to him. And I understood he became a milkman. And on his round was Highbury. And I just thought, I can't get my head around the mindset that here's a guy who was an ultimate hero for me, like 70,000 people screaming his name on Saturday, and Saturday week he's delivering milk to the ground. So while I was putting this book together, that was the reason why I went into football agency, to to redress the balance. I really believed that, and I'd come from the music business, so I really believed that soccer stars were the the next heroes, and we went about trying to make that happen, and, you know, we were reasonably successful at that. But the... Uh, what happened is that at some time later, of course, Josh, yeah. I, I said you could, because uh, your play with the legend company, said you, you must find me, Alan Skirt, and you did. And I did have this conversation with him, and he's lovely, bless him. And he said, I did think about becoming a milkman once, but it was in a dream, I think, because I never actually became a milkman. But, but it's an, as an apocryphal story, that was what set me going. I mean, from an from a, from a agent's point of view, the world has changed dramatically. I mean, I, I tell... I'm not in Alex Ferguson's league, so I'm, I'm not up there. But I, I, I tried not to do what he did. I tried not to knock people. I tried to say, look, this is the deal. This is how it happened. So I've talked about the deal we did for Carnu and how he book, brought Jungberg in and across the board. And there's a fascinating story going around at the moment which um, kind of in, embodies everything to do with the football agency world in one go. It's not relevant to Arsenal. I'll, I'll, if, if I may, just very, very quickly, because it, it'll either unravel tomorrow or it won't. There's a well-known player out there at the moment who's up for sale in the 20 millions. Um, a club of offers, a Premier League club they've offered. I, I can't name him because it's actually happening. It would be unfair on him and everybody else. Um, the club have offered money very close to the asking fee. It's been turned down and turned down and turned down. So now he's um, contracted with a group of agents who are hoping that the deal won't go through tomorrow because he's under 24, which means that in January he can then... He's got one year left on his contract. So we're talking about running, running the clock down. He's then available to go abroad for compensation. It's £400,000. Whereas if he's sold in the UK or in England, it, it becomes a tribunal case, which could be up there in the 15, 20 millions. So... It's now looking slightly unlikely the deal will happen because they've only got 36 hours to go. So that now will possibly happen that he'll go abroad in January and you'll know who it is. And and the club that's already in the mix abroad is not a big club because he's not playing at the moment, so he's not going to attract Real Madrid. They will keep him for six months till the summer window and sell him for five or ten million, make a nice little turn on it, and the agents will get an agreed six million pounds. And that's the, that's the inside of the agent's world. Now, is it right or is it wrong? Because the numbers are huge. But is it right they should get six million quid? But without their involvement, without the ideas and the, and the, and the manipulation, corporate manipulation, which happens in the corporate world wherever we look, that situation wouldn't have happened without those agents being able to put that together. And everybody wins. 
I mean, I think that's fascinating. And actually, I have a, a, a few friends um, who are agents as well, and I've had lots of conversations around this. I also have um, Neil Webb, by the way, was a postman. That was the. Yeah. I knew there was someone there was, there was there. Anyway, but no, um, the, so I am friends with, and she's actually our patron, Farrah Williams, who's now Arsenal uh, ladies, uh, one of the star players. And um, when we got to know each other, and she at that point was about to become England's cap, most record captain international, and this I think shows the disparity between the men and the women's game and shows quite how ludicrous the men's game is in terms of numbers. Um, Farrah had to have another job, and she was one of them. I was like, but, you're, but you're England's most. And uh, what did your agent say? I haven't got an agent. And it was, well, there's no point, because actually I'm not going to be able to get... And it was only after the World Cup, which was called the penalty against Germany, and I think Capital... Uh, yeah, it was... It, Capital One approached her to do something, and she was like, oh, what? And weirdly, she phoned me and went, can you speak to my wife behalf? I'm like, why? She goes, well, you're stronger than I am, and you'll probably get me some money. <laughs> I was like, just get yourself an agent. I put her in touch with um, a friend of mine who, who, who is an agent, and therefore that's her job. But... Um, I think it's fascinating. And then I have these conversations with friends of mine who are agents who represent male players in the lower leagues. And again, it's a disparity between the top end of football and the bottom end, where the average length of contract below the Premier League or the average length of time at a club is a season, pretty much, isn't it? it, There's no long-term career at a club because it's, it's such transient whereas at the top end you're right the, the, the numbers are scary you obviously are quite close to these numbers but then you hear about well actually if this happens and the permutations and blah 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 and it's then the football is a commodity and where you say you wanted to give the, the, the rockstar footballer thing actually it's although it's talking about player power these are players are still the commodity of the club so if someone might be desperate to move but actually the club, it makes no sense. And even maybe the agents are working against it now, saying, well, it doesn't make much sense for you to do it now. Just sit on the bench for another six months and we'll all clean up. It's just what fascinated me there. You used the word agents in a sense yeah. of plural, and I'm sure yes. there are many yeah. involved. And that's what's extraordinary to me. There are a lot of people kind of just moved in. and Do you think some people take a, a free riding on it and there's some doing the hard work? And if I can add on to that a question. I saw it took Arsenal time to sign Mustafi because... They quote, they were trying to ascertain who his agent was. And I find that extraordinary. Yeah, but is, is that possible? No, that's, 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 it, that is the word, the word exclusive seems to exist <laughs> in, another, in another environment in the, in the football agency world. I mean, there are 600 intermediaries now, of which 590 probably don't do very much business at all. So you've got 590 souls reading the Sunday People on a Sunday or whatever they read. Try, oh, I can, I'll, I'll try and get involved in that because I know someone who knows him. And they phone the club and they phone the other club and then they phone the agent. And, then they phone, and, and so the, muddy, the water's being muddied continually throughout transactions. It's also very difficult to establish sometimes who the agent is <laughs> because they both, three of them turn up with an exclusive piece of paper. Just run us through, say with a regular transfer deal, how many people are likely to be involved? You, you would have an agent for the player, someone representing the clubs on both sides? Yeah, I talk about this in, in the book quite a lot, in fact, because it's, it is amazing, and there's, there's some fascinating things that go on in, in the game. I mean, one of the things that we did over the years was implement bonuses. So I'm going to answer this question in a second. Let me just take the, circ- the scenic route back to it. Um, when it became the expectant salaries became sizable and we still had a tax regime which although it was 40% at the time um, was not as um, 
helpful, shall we say, as the Spanish one was. So we were always fighting, in, in my time, always fighting the Spanish, the Italians, who had a much, until 2008, had a much lax, more lax tax system than we did. Um, so we were trying to find ways of grossing up monies and making it bigger to so you know. So these days you see a player's on 150 grand a week. Well, actually probably isn't. Most of them are probably on 70 or 80, and they gross up through bonuses. Now, the interesting bonus for me is the one where the player comes on over time. And if he plays, and I'm using this as an example, 60 minutes, uh, or he comes on before 60 minutes, he gets two-thirds of his wages. And I, think, I find it fascinating to watch, to watch clubs and who's substituting when, and the amount of times you're laughing, <laughs> the amount of times you think... Okay, Can't well, think that, what Arsenal's threshold might be. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bonus payment save. <laughs> and also sometimes the, the manager will reward the player by bringing him on, not always to disrupt the game in the 80th minute, but to say, oh, he's trained so well this week, give him, give him 30 grand, off you go, son. So there's, there, are, there are moments, anyway, coming back to your question, which was... About, about how many people have involved. Involved. Yeah. involved. Yeah. Uh, normally there is... Um, an agent for the player, obviously. He may have a lawyer and or and an accountant with him. So sometimes they turn up in three or four. The, the, very often in the, in the foreign clubs or the overseas clubs in Eastern Europe, there are two or three because although ownership of players is banned, there's lots of loans going in and out of clubs that are very difficult to monitor and some of them are with syndicates that you really wouldn't want to be meeting in a dark alley and asking them, do you really support that club in Turkey. So there can be three or four of their representatives, in, including you know, a sort of heavy-ish lawyer. And then on the, on the selling side, if it's in the UK, there may well be an agent brought in by the sporting director. It's amazing how many sporting directors have their favoured agent. Um, and, and that, so there's very often an agent in there. So you can have comfortably seven or eight people in a room. I tried to, when I was hosting those events, it was my player, or I tried to limit it to four, because anything more than six becomes a bump fight. You mentioned, sorry, you mentioned something, Josh, I've jumped in, since something's fascinating, this is probably a conversation that, that may be only interesting to us in the room, but I doubt it will be. You mentioned about that certain sporting directors have certain things to work with, and we hear lots of stories about, well, actually, so-and-so refuses to deal with this person, so-and-so refu- and it's about relationships, I guess, and y- your line of work is all about building relationships, uh, but also, at the same time, about being hard and firm on what your client wants. Now, um, okay, I'm just going to say it. Do Arsenal have a reputation within the business for dicking people around a little bit? No. Actually, okay. I find Arsenal to be pleasantly straight. Oh. You, know, you can look them in the eye, you can speak to Dick Law. Before him, you can speak to Ken Fryer. You can always speak to Arsene, he's always available to you, and he'll always look you in the eye, and he'll always tell you how it is. I mean, it's refreshing. Sometimes it's intransigent. And, you know, you get to see Ivan. I've known Ivan for years, and he's actually a really good administrator. I mean, people should be... I know there's a lot of dis- dissent sometimes, but it's actually a really well-run club, and sometimes be careful what you wish for, because, you know... Not, uh, is that but, perhaps because you're, uh, you're uh, a well-known, respected agent that's got the relationship with Arsenal? I've heard it said, he's a Mendes player, i.e. Arsenal will never get him. Well, no, there are, there are groups of clubs in Europe who have um, favoured statuses with agents. George Mendes has his groupings around, um, you know, from the south of France northwards. Uh, but if Arsenal came in, they could call George Mendes and he would... He would, because ultimately money talks. He would deal with them because money talks exactly. Okay, that's quite reassuring, actually. 
What to hear that we're well run? Yeah, no, 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 because I've heard, I've heard, I've heard. I'm horror actually not stories. saying that. But, so obviously, it's not. There's exceptions to every rule, but it's good that there's a level of transparency, maybe within Arsenal, the club. But again, maybe Arsenal we... are incredible. I mean, again, if um, I would keep saying this, wouldn't I? If, if you read the book, there's a lot about Arsenal in, in there because it's because I'm very fond of them. <laughs> but um, and I'm not saying uh, sporting directors are using agents for nefarious purposes. Some of them are. But most of them have that, that comfortable relationship. Because, because it's so difficult to nail something down, a, a football deal is very difficult when you have, as you've just said, um, a number of parties in that, all who have agendas. So to get those deals done, sometimes you have to lift and separate, lift and separate, lift, so until you get to the core and the player. Maybe, maybe it sits with the player's dad to have a word with his boy that London's a great place to be and better than Portugal and well, you wouldn't go to Portugal particularly for the money at the moment but you know what I mean but yes it, it is pleasant that Arsenal are a very straightforward club to deal with just just maybe one final question I mean you talk about all these different people being involved and it's very hard to sometimes work out for the clubs just I mean just have you, have you ever found yourself in a meeting or at the end of a meeting with someone and you've had a long meeting with someone that doesn't represent who you thought they did do you, do you find yourself in these <laughs> surreal situations um you don't normally let it get that far. Right. Normally, you can tell by making a few phone calls. And I suppose you get experience. Yeah. yeah. What, what I do love, and again, we've just talked about it um, because I think it's hilarious in, in the book. Certain national characteristics pop out. The Italians tend to have stage walkouts when they can't figure out what to do. <laughs> so there's like four of them sitting there, and they all go, <laughs> and out come the briefcases, and you put the papers in, and they make a big fuss. It takes for ages to pack the briefcases. And the first time it happened to me, I'm sitting there panicking, thinking, oh, what am I going to do now? This is over. I've blown it. But actually, they walk very, very slowly to the door. <laughs> so the, the key is to always keep something back when you're dealing with Italians so you can call them back. Okay. All right, well, we're coming towards the end. The only thing really to, uh, to say before we conclude is just to mention the Champions League, which we, mm. which we had, Gareth. We're, since our last pod, and our next pod will be in two weeks' time because of the international break, uh, PSG, Basel, and Luda Goret. So some interesting trips. Uh, are you going to be making any of them, Tim? Are you, are you eyeing up any of the I would, games? I would like to go to Paris, but I've got to look at the schedule. I do want it's to very, come. It's very soon. It's, I a, was, it's a more I... interesting draw. A couple of different It's very soon away in Paris, isn't it? And it's difficult with work having just been away so recently. But I do look at interesting places to go. Yeah. And I was hoping they might do something about it. But if anything, they've made it worse with the reforms to the Champions League. This is just fodder. Arsenal and PSG get out of this group. This is great games for television and great games for gate money. And maybe I'm getting older and more weary with it. But I find the Champions League, until you hit the last 16, so dull now. I enjoy the Arsenal games. I don't watch any of the rest of it. And I really think they've got to sort it out. Yeah, there's, no, there's, no deal, jeopardy, there's no jeopardy, there's so, new, this, so you don't have this that. This new deal that they've created, which is partly about this. transferring money, is going to take the jeopardy even less, because they're guaranteeing the Spanish, Italian, German clubs to places directly in, and they're, it's just dull, 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 dull. You say this, but then again, it was only last year where we had well, to go to Olympia, so, well, and win the only two, group, two The only group that's ever watchable out of the, the six groups is Arsenal's, because we managed to make a pig's ear of the first two games. Yeah, we did absolutely make a big I, I, I've got to admit something, actually, that happened that I, I was victim of, in that there was a group of, um, a group of us in a WhatsApp group, we were all planning what we should do for the various array trips. And my friend Daniel was like, 
Right, the nearest airport to Ludogorets is, is, is Varna, but the flight... So we, we worked out, we weren't quite sure which flight to take, so we booked, booked the flight back to Varna, only for then later, about half an hour in the conversation, someone to go, you know the game's taking place in Sofia. So if there is anyone listening <laughs> who's thinking about going to Bulgaria, yeah. do not book a flight to Varna, like we might have done, book one to Sofia. Although I must can say, the, the staff, customer service at Wizz Air, terrific, just changed it. No, uh, like no extra charges. Like your yeah. idiots will let you off. <laughs> yes, so we got away with it, so we're all, we're all going to Sofia. Uh, I, I think... Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go to Sofia. Actually, I was there recently yeah. for a conference, and quite brilliantly, it's a link to um, a friend, a friend of the pod, and um, you had him on with, with Lauren, um, Tom Rosenthal. Yeah. So, so plebs is filmed in yeah, Bulgaria. Plebs right. is filmed in Bulgaria. So I was taken as a show of kind of well, a big show to the best restaurant in Sofia when I was out there by uh, this guy. It was part of a, an Erasmus Plus UEFA conference thing out there. So I went there, and meeting us at reception in this restaurant is a stuffed fox with a towel over its arm. And I thought, wow, this is quite something for the best restaurant in Sofia. And I found it hilarious. So I texted Tom a photo of me with this saying, I bet you haven't been taken to the best restaurant. And he immediately texted back with a selfie of him and said fox. So, yeah, this is, I'm definitely going to Sofia and I'm going to go and see that fox. I'm going to show you whether I can get what was Tom wrong with its arm. All right, well, What's that? What was wrong with its arm? Um, no, he had a, uh, it was like a, a fox waiter. Sorry, I should have explained okay. it a bit better. Do you know what? I'll share it on Twitter. People are genuinely wanting it, and then Tom can bust out his fox. Well, we'll, um, we'll look forward to that trip to Sphere. And I, yeah. should, I should just mention I was in Edinburgh for the, for the weekend and for the Fringe and saw a friend of the podcast, Luke Kempner, who was ah. terrific and has been doing great stuff on Celebrity Big Brother of late. So, congrats to him. Um, so, look, so if, you, if, you, if you've been inspired maybe to think about getting John's book, it's called The Deal Inside the World of a Super Agent. It's available on the, from the 8th of September. You can get it online, pre order it on Amazon. Amazon now, um, and I assume, John, it will be in all good bookshops? Um, everywhere, please God. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much, John, for coming on. I found it really, uh, really interesting to have you on. Hopefully you'll join us again it's been, sometime it's been in the future. It's been great, actually. And, you know, the interesting thing for me, having, having dined at so many top tables over the years, which has been a great privilege, um, a lot of the promotion I've been doing on the book has led me to people like, uh, who are vloggers and bloggers, and, and the sizable audience and the work that goes on around football, I mean... Tim and also Gareth, Gareth, the work that you do is just quite, um, quite astonishing, I think, for street football. And I just, meeting people, real football people, has been a, an intense privilege. So, thank yeah, you. I'd absolutely echo that. And uh, I know you're with Arsenal Fan TV, and Robbie comes on, comes on our pod, and yeah, he's, uh, he's created something quite there, and I'm sure um, hopefully we'll get the message out um, about, about the book. So, look, Gareth, thanks so much. I assume we'll see each other very soon. As I said, we're not doing a pod next week due to the international break, which Jack Wilshire will not be part of, having been staff of the squad. Quite where he'll be by the time we next do a podcast or claim chambers, we're, we're yet to see. But uh, look forward to seeing you in two weeks' time, and have a great couple of weeks. Thanks. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.